on. Good morning. Good to see everybody this morning. Hey, uh, I, I, I got to fill in the blank uh, for you. I got to fill in the blank. Just kind of think, think about how you fill this, fill this in. Uh, I am nothing without blank. I'm nothing without blank. Maybe, maybe it's Sunday morning and you'd say, I am nothing without coffee. Nothing without coffee this morning. Uh, um, we've, we've, we've gone through a carafe already this morning uh, over there, so uh, that may be very true uh, this, this morning. Maybe uh, I'm nothing without donuts. <laughs> nothing without donuts. And, uh, however you want to measure that is, you know, whatever. Uh, I have nothing without... It's Sunday, so I'm nothing without church and Jesus, right? Sunday School Answer. Uh, I am nothing without comic books, right? Comic books, PA, PA, yeah, there you go. I'm nothing without superheroes, a, a close, close one to that. Nothing without maybe sports or football on Sundays. I'm nothing without... Those are, you know, those are more, more fun ones. Maybe let's get a little bit more serious. I'm nothing without my relationships. I am nothing without people liking me. I am nothing without somebody pursuing me. I am nothing without sexual encounters. I am nothing without addiction. I am nothing without religion, rules. I am nothing without... How do we fill in the blank? Of course, it's church, so we'd lie and say Jesus this morning, right? Yeah, exactly. And, but really, what would we fill that blank in with? We're at in this series, the second week in the series called The Vine. And um, last week, what we saw was that Jesus has a one-sentence job description for Christians. It's really actually only three words. Remain in me. If you struggle with the Christianity thing and wonder about the Christianity thing, that's the only thing Jesus wants you to know. Remain in me. Christians, those of you that follow Jesus, the only thing Jesus wants you to know is remain in me. But maybe, maybe, especially if you're kind of one of those that struggle with church, struggle with the Jesus thing, and would consider yourself kind of a non-fan, maybe you'd say, why on earth would I ever remain in Jesus? Who is this guy that I would actually remain in him? Well, Jesus actually, I mean, he anticipates this question, and he answers it. John chapter 15, verse 5, we're going to continue this, this, this monologue that Jesus is giving, this teaching that Jesus is giving. This is the last hours of his life, and we get to eavesdrop in on this conversation that occurred 2,000 years ago to see what's most important in life. And he answers this question, why remain in Jesus? You know, open up our app, Download and open up our app under resources. You can go find uh, the scriptures there, uh, follow along there. You can open up the Bible app, follow along in a live event uh, in the Bible app. Um, you can uh, follow, just the script, scriptures will be up on the screen. Uh, and you can, you can open up a hardbound Bible. They still do produce those. <clears throat> still, despite the fact that we're all digital uh, today. So, uh, John 15, 5. Yes. I, this is Jesus talking, am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. He's really just recapping what he's already said. He's just repeating it and, and, and telling them exactly what uh, he's already said. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's a bold statement, right? This is a, this is a who does Jesus think that he is sort of statement. We'll get back to that. 
Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. And you're like, whoa, as, as bold as that first statement was, this is kind of intense, don't you think? We'll get to that as well. But it's kind of bullet point type, uh, type areas, and then we'll, we'll dive into these. Why remain in Jesus? Two reasons. We can do nothing without him. And two, we are nothing without him. I know that's a little Yoda-like, but you know, just wanted to switch it up there on you and, and, and see if you're awake. We can do nothing without him. Without him, we, we, we are nothing. And that first, that first statement, the bold statement that Jesus made, you can do nothing without me. Maybe you'd push back and say, hold on a minute. Humans can do pretty amazing things. I mean, God created us pretty impressive. We can do some, some pretty impressive things with or without God. Sundays is a great example. At noon, there's going to be guys go out on a football field, big dudes, strong dudes, fast dudes, agility like a ballerina dudes, and talent on a football field rains down on the righteous and unrighteous. Right? But have you ever sat in a, in, a, in, a, in a stadium and look around and go, this stadium is amazing. Like the fact that we, in our minds, and then, then we draw up concepts, and then we actually go out and build a stadium that holds 70, 80,000 and not crumble and fall. I mean, think about that. That's pretty impressive. And engineering talent rains down. On the righteous and the unrighteous. Ever been to New York City? Look up? Skyscrapers? Go, man, how do we, how do we have the engine? I'm not going to go there. How do we have the wherewithal to be able to do that? Ever thought that? Talent rains down on the righteous and the unrighteous all the same. With or without God, we can do all that stuff. So here Jesus is saying, without me, you can do nothing. Maybe you want to push back and go, I don't know about that, Jesus. See, the context is fruit. The context is remain in me and you'll produce fruit. As natural as it is for a grapevine to produce grapes, it will be natural for you to produce fruit. God fruit. Are you producing God fruit? I want that question to haunt us. Are we producing God fruit? We're talking a whole nother level of fruit than even being able to produce skyscrapers. And all of this is tied to Jesus' greatness. Jesus' greatness. If we don't think he's great, we really, that statement, you can do nothing without me, matters zero to us. So let's talk about Jesus' greatness. I'll, I'll, just four examples. Just four examples. We go infinity here, but just four examples. One, John, the writer of this book, one of the core disciples of Jesus, uh, said in John chapter 3, at the end of John chapter 3, he said that Jesus descended from heaven to earth. And he, uh, uh, that, that, that makes him greater because his origin is heaven. All of us sitting here and standing here today, our origins is, is, is let's Marvin Gaye and get it on. That's our origin. 
It's earthly origin. Jesus' origin was heaven. Who's greater? Then, 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 he descended from earth to the grave. And you're like, everybody's going to do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But how did he die? He died on a cross with our sins on his back. I mean, I'm sure that you will die a death that's worthy of a movie. But you're not going to have the sins of the entire world for all time on your back. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Who's greater? Then, 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 he ascended from the grave back to earth. Three days. He resurrected. He didn't resuscitate. He resurrected. Who's greater? Then, in front of, in front of over 100 people, he was standing on this earth, and then he ascended into heaven. Ascended into heaven. Who's greater? These are just four examples that we can point to to say Jesus is greater. See, the question about do nothing without Jesus is a, is a question of who's greater? Us, who can build skyscrapers? Or Jesus, whose origin is in heaven? Jesus, who resurrected? Jesus, who ascended back into heaven? That makes skyscrapers seem like tiddlywinks. I want this to be kind of an in-your-face question, but I, I, also, I also don't intend it necessarily in your face, but can you compete with that? Can I compete with that? Even if you're just checking out this God thing, ask yourself that. Can I compete with that? Because the fruit that he wants to produce in our life isn't stadiums and skyscrapers. Although he wants us to, to have dominion over this world and, 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 and bring redemptive qualities back to this broken world. The number one fruit that he wants to produce in our life is a transformed life. He wants to produce a transformed life where we are broken and he transforms us and heals us. That's what the second part is about. The second part that I read, I'll, I'll read it again. Or anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. And maybe you're like, well, ooh, that sounds like he's talking about hell to me. And you, yeah, 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 you're, you're right. And Jesus talked about hell more than any other person in the Bible. And, 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 and I believe in a heaven and hell because Jesus seemed to believe in a heaven and a hell if you read through the Gospels. You know, might be like, yeah, but that's a little bit harsh. I mean, isn't he loving? And why would a loving God send people to hell? Like hell's not, I mean... It, I'd rather talk about something else, right? Like, it's not, not fun. Not fun. And by, by the way, I don't, I don't think the gate of hell looks, looks quite like that. But, you know, just whatever. Just get, get you a mental picture there, image, image there. 
Let me, let me maybe illustrate it this way. See if this fits. And then we'll, we'll get, get back to God here in just a minute. So I, I referee soccer. Most all of you know that. So this week I had my second red card of the college season. I don't think I had a single one last, last year. And here a month in, I've already got two. I've got a couple months left to go. So we might have some fun this year. But um, on Thursday, on Thursday, uh, the red card was uh, a, a girl just punched another girl in the face. <laughs> right. Yeah. Come on. yeah, right, yeah. Imagine that, yeah. I hope she's not listening. Uh, anyway, got it. So some would say the referee gave the girl a red card, right? Some would say that. However, she really just fell underneath the wrath of the rules of the game. I simply w- w- was just applying the rules of the game in order to keep the game manageable and under control. See, God didn't create hell for people. Let that soak in. God did not create hell for people. He created hell, the lake of fire, for Satan. Because Satan rebelled against God, saw God in his throne, and said, I want me some of that. And then he convinced, he convinced, some believe a third of the demons or a third of the angels to to follow him in this rebellion. God created hell for Satan, the demons that followed him. I don't know if I can say this in church, but I'm going to. Now Satan is a douchebag and he now convinces every human on the face of the earth ever to follow him into sin. If there isn't, one, that's, that's it right there. Like, that's definition. Right? Paul's with me. Go figure. <laughs> so, it's not that God created hell for humans. We simply follow him into sin and we get the wrath or we get underneath the wrath that was intended for Satan alone. And so we are simply in sin. It's not a question of heaven or hell. It's really a question of life and death because sin brings death into our life. And if we're really honest with ourselves, we would say, yeah, yeah, the time that's, times that I was really just kind of doing it on my own, I was producing the most death in my heart, death in my life, death in my soul. And see, Jesus didn't die and resurrect to make good people better. Jesus died and resurrected to make dead people alive. We're all the living dead. And he resurrected to bring us back to life. Every one of the four points that we talked about that made Jesus greater is all things that he wants to give us in our life. And see, Jesus here, he's, not, he's, he's, he's talking about people who look like they have life. Maybe it's because of religion. I go to church. I read the Bible. I lead Bible study. That's my life. Jesus is like, no, no. You look like you have life, but you do not have life in me. 
Then you've got the non-religion life. I've got my parties, I've got my fun, I've got my stuff. But man, deep down inside, or maybe not so deep down inside, you realize that there's not really life in any of that. And if you get through the Facebook facade and you are honest with yourself, you would say there is death. It just looks like I've got life. Jesus doesn't want you to get rid of your sin. That's the good news. Jesus just wants you to remain in him. and He'll get rid of the sin. A guy by the name of Paul, about um, 20 years after Jesus died or so, um, uh, uh, Jesus knocked Paul off his donkey on the way to Damascus to arrest and kill Christians, and Paul ended up being a Christ follower. And he describes all of this in this way, Ephesians 2.1. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, death came to us because of our sin. You used to live in sin. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to people to follow Christ. You used to live this way, just like the rest of the world. He's, he, he's reminding them of their identity in Christ. You live this way just like the rest of the world. Look, we're not unique in our sin. <laughs> All right? All right? We'll get, th- this next summer, we'll get to that. There's nothing new underneath the sun. I'm creative in my sin. Nope, they've been doing it forever. Obeying the devil. We're following everybody else. Really, we're following the devil because that, everybody, he's convinced everybody to sin. We've been over that. The commander of the powers of the unseen world. He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Every one of us have refused to obey God. I was born in church. I was in church every Sunday of my life. You, at some point in time, refuse to obey God period. Me, at one point in my time, a lot of times, I refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. What does Satan use to get us to sin? Whatever feels good. Whatever feels good, do it. By our very nature, we are subject to God's anger, God's wrath, just like everybody else. Look, Paul wrapped himself up in this. We all, all, all are in the same boat. Some of you know where I'm going with this. But I say what I say next in order for you to never, ever, ever read this passage the same way again. Because this isn't just a passage of you just reading it and going, oh, that's nice and go on. This is a passage, all right? But God, this is a gigantic, humongous, in-your-face but. Proves one thing. Paul likes big butts, and he cannot lie because we're reading it in the Bible. And I want you, I want that to stick because this is huge. God is so rich in mercy, but God is so rich in mercy, compassion. He saw us in our messed up nature and he had compassion on us. And he loved us so much, but God, think about that, loved us so much that he sent his son, right? That even though we were dead, 
because of your sins. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. But God gave us life. But God gave us life. In our death, God gave us life. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved, but God gave us grace. In, in his abundance, he gave us his riches in our poverty. But God saved us in our death. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ. This is really where it starts getting way out there. But God raised us from the dead with Christ. See, the same thing that makes Jesus greater, he wants to give us. But God raised us from the dead, and he, what, as crazy as that last one is, I want gray matter all over the floor, all over the chairs. I want our minds to explode over this. And seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Because we are united with Christ Jesus. What Paul is saying here is if you believe in Christ, this is what he's getting at, our identity in Christ. If you believe in Christ, you aren't just back to life. You have been raised into heaven with Christ. Christ, as real as it is for you to be sitting before me and for me to be standing on this stage, it is equally as real for us to be sitting with Christ in heaven. But God, but God, but God. For he raised, uh, so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace, immeasurable riches, other translations. But God gave us immeasurable riches in our poverty. That's what grace is. And kindness, but God gave us kindness. Kindness. If he intended to send us to hell, he would have never given us kindness. He would have never given us mercy. He would have never given us grace. He would have never sent Jesus to die on the cross so that we could get out of his wrath. He'd never have done that. How do I know God loves us? Jesus died. Jesus died. Jesus died. Another guy also gets it that I read this week. I read an article. He said, you know, I was addicted to sex. Loved to hook up. He said, uh, came to know Christ and Christ was changing his life and transforming his life. And, you know, in a moment, in the weekend, he sought out a girl and hooked up with her. And he called his mentor and told him everything that happened. His mentor said, you need to fall into grace again. Not saying that he, he lost grace, not saying that he lost salvation, but simply saying, don't run from God. Go back into his grace. Don't run. This is what he says. This is what he says. That's not fair. Why should Christ be crucified for my foolishness? He gets it. He gets it. God's not fair himself 
Because he tortured himself for our foolishness. He got his hands dirty in the mess of sin. He's not fair to himself. Let me ask you this. Who would you rather remain in? Because this is really the crux of the, the issue. Who would you rather remain in? You? Would I rather remain in me? Or Jesus? Who's greater? And see, Jesus comes into our mess and starts to transform our life. Not expecting us to be perfect. Remain in me is not perfect. Simply expecting us to remain in Him through our imperfection. Big difference. So we don't have to look good. We don't have to come with a facade. We can come to, to, to church in our small group and say, I've messed up, I've done this, I've been here. I've... And our small groups say, fall back into His grace. Remain in Jesus. And we'll see that sin melt away. Some of you, I invite you. I invite you. So that blank, whatever you fill in that blank, you put in Jesus for the very first time. There's going to be people around the room, guys and gals, who, who would like nothing more than to talk with you about putting Jesus in that blank for the very first time. How do, how do I do that? How do I, how, do I, how do I get in heaven? Simple. Say, I've blown it. I don't know what it means. But I want to remain in you. I'll forgive you. Cleanse you. And give you His righteousness so that you can live. For those of us that that question's already been settled, how great is God and Jesus in your eyes. Because the greater He is in our eyes, the more we say, I can do nothing without Him. And the more we say, I can do nothing without Him, the more we will remain in Jesus. Simply do life inventory. What's in that blank? How much do you remain in Jesus? And that shows how much you think you can do nothing without Him. And that you are nothing without Him. And so let's get to the root of the issue. Let's pray this week. Simply this. God, show me how great you are. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for showing us your greatness. I mean, it's just four ways, but man... Go through Genesis and Revelation to show your greatness. Every page, every sentence. Captivate our hearts by your greatness because that's the only way we'll remain. Make us a church, of, a people of, 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 of remainers. That that is just simply our heart's call, heart's desire. I pray that you'll bring salvation to somebody this morning, that they will, they will be bold enough to say, I want to remain in you. This is the first time I've ever said this. This is the first time it's ever clicked. This is the first time I've seen this. This is the first time. And, 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 and pull their heart to you.
We just thank you and we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.